Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. So, Mike, we're continuing our discussion about the kingdom of God, and the biblical story is about the reign of God, um, a reign that has had rebellion and a reign that is being restored. And in the New Testament, this restoration comes in stages. Um, in the Gospels, Jesus rises to power um, at his ascension. And until now, he is reigning. And one day he will return. So the rise, the reign, and the return. And in our last couple of conversations, we've tried to kind of tease out this reign and what it means. Currently, Jesus is reigning from heaven in the midst of his enemies. He does this by the spirit who is at work on the earth. But now we need to talk about the church. What yeah. role does the church have in this? Yeah. So you're going to take us to the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Why the Sermon on the Mount? Oh, man. Well, okay. So lots lots of reasons. But so maybe it's helpful to step back and, and again, really think about that, that kingdom plot line that what God's purpose from the beginning that he is working to restore and that we see promised in the ages to come finally fulfilled or fully fulfilled in the ages to come is God's reign over and through humanity. We're meant to be the image of God. We're meant to be those, those who, who reign as God's representatives reign with him, all those kinds of things. And what we see um, in the sermon on the Mount is, Jesus empowering his people to do that. It's the, I, I like to say the, the man, Jesus manifesto of the kingdom of, of God, the reign of heaven. This is what it looks like when God's name is hallowed, when God's reign comes, when his will is done on earth is in heaven. When you think about the center of the center of the center of that sermon with the prayer, yeah, right? yeah, that's, yeah. that's what's going on there. And so um, you know, again, remembering that big picture purpose, what the sermon on the Mount does is says, okay, here's what this, looks like on the ground, right? We've talked about, um, you, you know, when we talk about this meta narrative of the Bible, we're talking about a big theme. We're talking about the story of God's work in the world from creation to the age to come and, and all the critical anchor points in between. Um, but man, and, and, and one of the things I find when I'm talking with people about this is, you know, like if we just tell it as a story, okay, that makes sense, but it, maybe it feels abstract, feels distant, feels removed. You know, we don't think in monarchy terms in our everyday life. So what does this look like on the ground? Well, man, that's the Sermon on the Mount, right? If, if you want to understand how how we're meant to represent God, uh, live as a, you know, whether it be our as, as a church, as a nuclear family, even my own heart and mind and attitudes and actions, what does it look like to live as a colony of heaven, as an outpost of heaven on earth, as, as that, you know, again, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Um, yeah, and, if, and if I can just make one observation from that, yeah. you know, for, for the kingdom to be restored, that's not just, all right, with my mouth, I'm now going to claim allegiance to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just a verbal thing. Yes. I think what the Sermon on the Mount is showing us, it's a whole life thing. Yeah. yeah. Every, every facet of life needs to be given over in allegiance to the kingdom. 
Yes, absolutely. So, so take us through what what does that allegiance look like? Well, let's at least start off with the, what's called the Beatitudes. Um, this this I typically say when I'm preaching on it or talking about it. This is a masterful living portrait of new humanity, of that those who would be heirs of the kingdom of God, the reign of the reign of heaven. And so, you think about just the portrait that he describes the the kind of person. Um, and then he, he's, he's using this term blessed, blessed, um, which is a, is an idea of, of not just blessings from God, something received, but a, a state of being of blessed, of happiness. I love the idea of flourishing here. That's kind of what he's describing. So here's a state of real flourishing, but it's anchored in being a kind of person and the hope, the reality that is, that belongs to this kind of person. So he says, flourishing are the poor in spirit for the reign of heaven is theirs. Flourishing are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Flourishing are the, the gentle or humble because they will inherit the earth. Flourishing are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. Flourishing are the merciful because they will receive mercy. Flourishing are the pure in heart because they will see God flourishing are the peacemakers because they will be called the sons of God flourishing are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven or the reign of heaven. You know, you think about these different, these different descriptions, poor in spirit mourners, the the gentle or humble um, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, right? He's describing Again, the, what the image of God really looks like, you, you know, what, what a true human looks like, one who reflects and represents God's own heart, God's own values, God's own priorities, God's own methods, right? Um, and, and so, again, how, how is this kingdom coming? How is this kingdom manifest? Again, not through comp- subjugation, domination. But by these people of God learning to live like that, right? By, by, by having his heart being that, that humble, poor in spirit person. And man, we could dive into to each of these. So I'm, I'm struggling with, man, how, how deep do I go? And we just never end this episode or we're talking about these as, a, as just sort of. Yeah, a, we need another season of, about the serious I'm serious. We need on another season. We need, we need a, we need a, we need, we do, we need, we need a whole season just on the Beatitudes. Um, One of my favorite quotes from N.T. Wright is when the kingdom of God comes, he sends not the tanks, but the poor in spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that is just, again, the type of living that Jesus considers as blessed, as flourishing, as good. Yeah. Yeah. It's so different from what the kingdom of Satan's about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jesus is promising to welcome the poor in spirit and the merciful to him. Mm-hmm. Those are the yeah. people that our world wants to cast out. Yeah, absolutely. But this is how the kingdom of God is going to operate and live. And yeah. and, and, and we have to understand this is the very nature of God. Yes, um, exactly. The, the reason that these are the attributes of kingdom people is that these are the attributes of our king, his father, and his spirit. Yeah. Um, we need to hold on to this within the very nature of God. And each one of these you know, has a, has its opposite in this present evil age, right? You know, take, take mourning, for example, you know, what is the common 
response to evil and sin and injustice in the world, right? Well, you either cause it or maybe you, you're not the direct cause, but you see it and you're indifferent to it. But no, flourishing are those who mourn, right? We see injustice and we grieve it. We weep, whether, whether it's because we're the, the victims and we're clinging with God or, or we're the ones that, that um, weep with those who weep. Um, but the, the, the mourners, right? Yes, amen. Grieving, grieving injustice, um, those who are hungry for it. Um, but but then even if you think about this idea of justice, the, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or, or justice there in verse six, right? Desiring it. Well, I mean, that's, you know, a lot, we, we hunger, we want that we, deep in our bones. We want what's right. Um, but how do we get it? Look at, look at the, the next one in verse seven, flourishing are the merciful for they will receive mercy. God's justice is not one that just is all about retribution. So I demand justice. I demand retribution. No, God's justice, God's righteousness is characterized by, by mercy. Amen. Um, the, the peacemakers. Uh, I came across a quote by Scott McKnight a few years ago, and I, I just loved it. And I'm going to, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to just like roughly paraphrase it. But he talked about the, the peacemakers are not those who, who are all about like tolerance or just ignoring the issues, but, but uh, wade into the midst of the battle to make peace. Mm, and, and the beautiful. idea is that, yeah, it's not about, you know, avoiding conflict. It's not, a, and it's certainly not just about tolerance or whatever, but it's that we wage right into the middle of this battle to, to bring about reconciliation between God and humanity and humanity and humanity and all sorts of, sorts of things. Beautifully said. So again, so many points we yeah, can talk we're about. We're 10 minutes and, in. We're 10 minutes in. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to move you forward. Yeah. Um, another key term in, in this sermon is greater righteousness. Explain that yeah. to us. And what does it mean? Well, I mean, it, it see it in the context of the, um, you know, where you really see it in verse 20, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And, and when we think about the will of God, uh, as Jesus articulated verse, what versus what we see, um, among these religious leaders in Jesus day, they pursued God through really through a, a, a clouded matrix of their own human traditions. Um, there was maybe a, a, to use like Matthew 23, neglected the weightier matters of the law for fairly insignificant things, um, things they shouldn't have ignored, but but lesser, lesser things. Um, hypocrisy, you see hardness of heart, you see all sorts of stuff. But but this greater righteousness, he, he'll unpack this in lots of different ways. But the conclusion he's going to draw in chapter seven, verse 12 is, in everything, therefore, treat others the way you want them to treat you, for right. this is the scriptures. This is yes. the law and the prophets. And so, you know, if, if we're going to live righteous lives, if we're going to pursue the will of God, that's going to take us to love our neighbor. And, and, and so if we're not a people defined by love of neighbor, we're not the people of God, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that, period. how, it doesn't matter how pious we are, how, how much we pray, how much we sing, how much we do, do all this churchy stuff. Um, right. If we're not a love your neighbor as yourself, people, we're not God's people. We're not Messiah people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gracious. We could talk through each of those, Mike, but I, amen. I'm just gonna say, amen. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna keep you moving forward. 
chapter six then talks about practicing righteousness. Mm -hmm. And he has three different contrasts between the ritualistic exterior practices of the religious leaders with the righteous forms of worship that Jesus is calling for. Yeah. Take us through that. Giving, prayer, uh, even fasting. You see a formula, but basically don't do this stuff to get attention from people. Do it really to draw close to God. Um, but, But where he breaks that formula is when he's talking about prayer and he gives two, two sort of forms of instruction on how not to pray. Um, but then he, he teaches us how to pray. He says, pray then in this way. And he gives us this prayer, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom or your reign come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread, Forgive us our debts or trespasses as we forgive our debtors or tres- those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, and, and again, in the same way, the Beatitudes are so profound for giving us a, a, a schematic or a portrait of kingdom people in just these beautiful, rich terms. This prayer is so central for our walk with Christ. I, I actually just preached on this again. I mean, this is something I preached on quite a bit. It's been so, um, so important for my own life. I, you know, um, I, I won't, I won't tell that story now. But, but uh, you know, I, 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 I really contend and want to, you know, I guess I want to urge people to recognize that this prayer is called the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, the Model Prayer is really meant to be at the center of our learning and living as followers of Jesus, as students of Jesus. It's through this prayer and learning to pray this way, where she says, pray like this, that we're learning to, um, our our desires, our our intentions, our priorities, our perspective um, is being shaped around the purposes of God, right? That, that, you know, again, man, I, I could just go on forever, but, but um, as, as we learn to pray for these things and pray in this order and, and, and all these sorts of things, this prayer just opens up for us the entire story of the Bible, who God is and what he's doing. I mean, the way you look at that is in heaven, God's name is hallowed. God's reign is, is evident. He's on the throne. God's will is done. He, he issues a command and an angel snaps into obedience. On earth, God's name is profaned and blasphemed. On earth, God's reign has been rebelled against since the garden. On earth, God's will has been ignored since the garden. And yet he teaches us first to pray for these things so that we might live for these things, for the hallowing of his name, the coming of his kingdom, the accomplishing of his will on earth as in heaven. And even you look at that and that has this entire, its own world behind it, right? We could pray for those things in our own hearts that that our hearts are oriented towards the hallowing of his name, the coming mm-hmm. of his kingdom, the custom as well. We could pray that for the ways that we live, the way we speak, our attitudes. We could we could think about that that would happen in our own homes, between our, in our marriages, in, with our children. We could think about the way through our extended family, in our neighborhood, in our church, in our community, in our state, in our nation, in our world. Right, and so it's this ever expanding prayer that we're you know calling to. Right. This whole sermon is how we live out 
these things on earth as in heaven. But but here, this prayer is teaching us how to pray for these things that we can grow up into it and participate in this coming of God's kingdom, as we as we've been describing. Yeah, all um, said. You know, again, <laughs> I we'll keep going, but <laughs> let me stop there. Are there are things you want to like add in there, but um, no, you have five minutes. Oh no, take us through the rest of the sermon. Well, I guess I kind of already jumped to the finish line, but but it's it's worth. Let me do it two ways, right? Um, later on, the last week of Jesus' life, he's anticipating his death, and he's in the temple, and he's tested by this lawyer who says, "Teacher, what's the greatest command commandment?" And Jesus doesn't just reply by quoting the Shema, Deuteronomy six four through five. He could have, but he 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 when he's asked for what's the greatest commandment singular, he replies with Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. And in Mark's account, there is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus was asked for a single greatest commandment. And he said, these two go together. Um, and that, and then that the second one is, is so connected to the first, uh, not only can you not separate it, but sometimes it can stand alone as the single representative command. So even in the sermon, treat others the way you want them to treat you for this is the law and the prophets, um, or Paul will multiple times in Romans and Galatians, um, quote, love your neighbor as yourself as the fulfillment of the law. And so what, what we need to see, okay, if, if what it means for God to exercise his reign or Christ to exercise his reign through the spirit, through his people, we become the Sermon on the Mount people. And that means if we're going to drill it down even more, we're love your neighbor as yourself people. Um, and and you, you can even go back to the Lord's Prayer, how that prayer teaches us, right? As we learn to pray this way, it teaches us the same things, right? Does those that, that that prayer teaches us to love God with our all and love our neighbors yourself. When you think about our bread, forgive us our sins, lead us not into temptation. It's not just a me and my, it's an outward oriented prayer as well. Uh, but, but, you know, the sermon as a whole, I guess, reiterating what I just said, we're love your neighbor as yourself people. That's what it means to, to live out the reign of God. Like, that's what I was wanting to say. That's, again, Jesus' rise to power is a rise to power for the sake of love. Yeah. We live in a world that rises to power for the sake of lust. Yes. But Jesus rises to power for the sake of love. And that's what this whole sermon's about. Yeah, absolutely. So Mike, I, I think we need to close with you praying for us the Lord's Prayer. Okay. Our Father in heaven. We long for your name to be hallowed, where everyone would see you as, as we've begun to see you and hold you in such awe and reverence and adoration and love you. We long for the fullness of your reign, a reign of justice and righteousness and mercy and compassion and love. We long for your will to be done 
you are so good and so wise. And we entrust ourselves to you. And so we long for your name and your kingdom and your will on earth as in heaven. From this moment, ever increasing until that age to come. We depend on you and ask that you would provide what we need for life. Bread for our bodies. Your words for a greater life your son. We also long for that great feast in the age to come and pray even for that. Forgive us of our sins as we've also forgiven those who sinned against us. You have shown us mercy and shown us how to extend mercy. And we yield ourselves appealing to your mercy for forgiveness. And we ask that you would lead us not into temptation, that you would keep us from that testing and that trial. We know that we're weak and we know that we fail. And yet when you do lead us, deliver us. Do not let us fall to the evil one, but that you'd give us that rescue and that escape, and that protection. Father, you are worthy of all power and glory, dominion, authority. Our hearts are filled with hope, with longing, with thanksgiving, and with love. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. Your God reigns.